At St. Louis Acura and Alden Toyota, we are proud of our dedication to service, and we continue to serve our community. From now until December 12th, bring a new unwrapped toy from Marine Corps Reserve, Toys for Tots, to support 323 Marines, who in 2020 collected toys for over 78,000 children. Drop off at either St. Louis Acura or Alden Toyota. St. Louis Acura and Alden Toyota, becoming better than ever for you. Welcome everyone into another edition of the Ferrario Faceoff here at Claves Online. Once again, I'm Alex Ferrario, pre and post game host for the St. Louis Blues, along with my good buddy Mike Claiborne to talk a little Blues hockey and NHL storylines. And Claves, we got lots to get to because the Blues, let's start there, in the midst of a up and down schedule in the month of November, and it hasn't changed. You know, we thought that they were going to start trending in the right direction after that victory against the Vegas Golden Knights. They lose to the Detroit Red Wings, which a tough game, but you allow Detroit to come back into that hockey game. But the more disappointing one was the Chicago Blackhawks game where you're up by two. You allow them to score three unanswered goals, and then you come out against the Columbus Blue Jackets and score six. This is a confusing team right now in the month of November. Well, well it is for a lot of different reasons. I think um, the injury factor has had one issue. COVID has had another. I think the condensed schedule – and the lack of practice time is certainly starting to show its effect. But, you know, every team is dealing with that right now. But overall, they're not getting probably the consistency because of the first two issues. You know, I, I think, Alex, we have to come to the conclusion that COVID affects everyone differently. And it takes some time for some people to respond. And, you know, when you watch the Blues recently, some of their better scores uh, who've come off of COVID, uh, it seems like really the timing is off a little bit. And, and I just really think it's had more of an impact than maybe we've been willing to pay attention to. So where do we go from here? Uh, they just got to fight through it because every team's dealing with it right now. And the Blues are no different. Uh, but I think it starts in goal. I think you've got to be more consistent where your goaltending has to get away from giving up that one bad goal a night. Mm -hmm. and, and we've seen that on, on a number of occasions. So they've got to start and go and work their way out. And I think after that, I think they'll be okay. But it's going to take some time. It is going to take some time. And, Claves, you know, the, the COVID symptoms, I think a perfect example is Ryan O'Reilly. You know, he yeah. was not himself for the first five games that he returned from being on that COVID list. And he even said that, you know, he had some some tough symptoms to deal with when he was um, – when he, when he did get COVID – but the last three games, you're starting to see it come back. And even Craig Berube said the other night, you know, his hands still aren't where they need to be in terms of Ryan O'Reilly. Brandon Saad was another one. So you mix in the COVID symptoms. You mix in the injuries of having Sunquist out, Braden Shen out, now without Costin and Neal. You know, it's not only you're trying to build that chemistry back up. And I think for forwards, it's easier to build that chemistry than it would be for the defensemen. But you're also waiting for these guys to get their their hands back, to get their the speed of the game back. Because when you miss five, six, seven games, that's not an easy thing to just jump back in and say, "Up, oh, this is where I left off." Yeah, I agree with you, Alex. Um, it, it's a timing issue. Uh, it's something that you know. And again, I go back to the fact you don't have a chance to get it back for practice because you don't practice that much. Uh, and I just think it's a combination of things. And you know, the, the other thing is this. You're throwing some guys into some situations now that maybe they're not ready for. And mm -hmm. I think the best example or maybe what we're going to find out is uh, with Brown coming up, Logan Brown coming up 
you know, I didn't see enough of him in training camp to say whether he's this close from being there. I mean, I know he played in Ottawa, but it's Ottawa. Uh, and so I, I just don't know if he's ready, but we're going to find out. And I think it's really incumbent upon Craig Berube to be as creative, but also make sure he's not uh, disruptive in how he uses players for the next, let's say, two or three weeks, at least getting into Christmas. You know, you're going to have a little bit of a Christmas break, but I, I think you've got to really be careful here where the, the, the little chemistry that you have, you can't upset it too much. Yeah, 100%. And with Logan Brown, Klaibs, this one's interesting to me because, look, this is a former 11th overall draft pick. And like you said, he was with the Ottawa Senators, never really uh, gained the – the, the the expectation that he was supposed to with an 11th overall draft pick. But this is a guy who stands at six foot five. He's got some really good skills. And if you look at what he's done with the Springfield Thunderbirds in the American Hockey League, I think he's got 17 points in 20 games. Yeah. And I remember Craig Berube after the end of preseason when Brown was sent to the AHL, and he said he just needs to go down and decide what type of player he wants to be. Great point. Because in Ottawa – Ottawa, he was the, I'm the 11th overall draft pick, Logan Brown, and I'm going to showcase why I was the 11th overall draft pick. That's not how it works in the blue system. And I think he's finally figured that out, which is why he's got six goals and 11 assists for the Springfield Thunderbirds. I'm really intrigued to see what a six foot five Logan Brown can do when he knows how to play in Craig Berube's system. Well, and, and that's a good point because when you, as you mentioned, six foot five, six foot six, foot six what kind of players is he going to play the heavy game that that the blues like to play or is he going to be a finesse guy where he's going to be a perimeter guy and not use his body i think that's really the challenge for him right now and, and what kind of player does he want to be but because if he wants to be a perimeter guy he won't be here long yeah you know he's going to have to use his body and that doesn't mean he's got to put a guy in the fifth row but he's got to be able to deny people passes. He's got to be able to get in front of the net. He's got to be able to draw penalties. He's got to be tough along the boards. All those things, that, uh, items that I think he's got to come together and, and really come to grips with on how he can stay in the National Hockey League and live up to the expectations of an 11th overall pick. You know, Klebs, the one player I think we have to talk about that has been a, a real – well, there's been a, a couple of guys that have been bright spots for this Blues team. You know, Jordan Cairo, obviously. Pavel Buchnevich has really turned it on in these last 10 or so games. But, Klebs, I am fascinated by Robert Thomas because yeah. we have seen him, in my opinion, take that next step towards I'm an NHL everyday player and I deserve to be in your top six. His playmaking ability, Claves, and I mean, his hockey vision on the ice, the goal by Justin Falk the other night against the Columbus Blue Jackets, that was from board to board across the ice in the offensive zone, had to go through four defensemen. I mean, I don't want to do comps because comps always just get out of touch, but I do remember Craig Berube when asked a couple of years ago, what's the potential for Robert Thomas? And he said, oh, he, he could be an elite centerman. I think you're starting to see that. Yeah, and, and you know that pass that he made—that's one you say, kids, don't try this at home. Right. But he's got great vision. He's yeah. finally starting to skate, and move his feet. I mean, he's one of the best skaters on the team. Yeah. Uh, and and I think the mm -hmm. fact that he's showing the vision that you mentioned—he's not worried about the guy in front of him. He's worried about two guys, you know, that are 20, 30 feet away right. on what he's going to do with them. And it's kind of like with Perinovich as well. He's that same sort of player. But, yeah, he's playing with confidence. I think he's in better shape. 
I think maybe the, the term we're looking for here is Alex, maybe he's just maturing. Yeah. I mean, I think we have to take into account how young he was when he first got to the national hockey league. And there are a lot of things you have to get yourself acclimated to. And, and I thought conditioning was one of the things that kind of showed from time to time. Uh, maybe he's eating better. Maybe he's taking better care of himself. Maybe he's, maybe he's filling out all those things to go along with the hockey skill that he has is why I think everybody's looking forward to seeing what the next step is going to be for him. You know, when you say he's a, he's a really good skater, Claves, you know, it goes beyond his speed. I mean, look, Robert Thomas is fast, and I don't, I don't think people realize that because when you hear speed, you think Jordan Cairo. But Robert Thomas is quick on his skates. But more so, Joey was talking about this on the broadcast a couple of nights ago, his, his ability to fend guys off of the puck for his size yeah. because he is a stocky player. Yeah, from the waist down, he's really put together. Yeah, when the and hard to push stick, off the puck, yeah. You can't get off of him. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, and I, like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing what's next. And I think the next thing we're looking for is consistency. Uh, and, and the challenge that I think he's going to run into, like a lot of players, with the condensed schedule – uh when does he hit the wall yeah you know normally guys hit the wall in in january mid to late january i think you're going to see guys hit the wall a little sooner mm -hmm. and how they respond is going to be a very interesting scenario that we're all going to have to pay attention to because it's not just going to affect the blues it's going to affect the whole league especially because the league is trending so young now that a lot of these kids have never gone through this and there's some veterans that haven't gone through this either but when they hit the wall, where will they find the next gear? Where will they find the recovery to be able to contribute for the second portion of the season? I think that's a great point, Klebs. And I think that does go into a little bit of, of defining the struggles in the month of November for the Blues. You know, David Perron has talked about how they have to get used to this is an 82-game schedule. And if you yeah. think about it, this team hasn't played an 82-game schedule since they won the Stanley Cup. You yeah. know, the 1920 season, I think they played 71 games pause going into the bubble post bubble you go into a 56 game schedule but the 56 game schedule i think really messed some things up for some mm -hmm. of these guys because it's not just you're playing a condensed schedule and you're not doing 82 games but you're also playing the same team over and over and over there's no prep to okay let's forget about what just happened against the detroit red wings now we got to prepare for the chicago blackhawks because the entire season last year was, okay, we just lost to Detroit. Now how do we prepare for Detroit again? I agree. Let's take our first break. We'll come back with more of the Ferrario face-off. Every day, Ammon, Illinois works to deliver reliable energy throughout the state to on-the-go families, in-the-know grandparents, and busy students. But did you know we also have ways to manage your energy? Paperless billing, outage notifications, pick-a-due date, auto-pay, and so much more. So no matter who you are or how you use your energy, there's an option that's right for you. Learn more at AmarinIllinois.com slash options. So, Klaibs, we have to um, – we got to touch on some NHL headlines right now because, yes, the Blues are the big topic, and they're going to continue their month of November into December – but now you got some other teams that are starting to make some decisions. You know, let's start with Montreal. The Montreal Canadiens, after being in the Stanley Cup final last year and then losing in the Stanley Cup final, you 
come to the situation where, you know, they lose one of their top young players to an offer sheet from the Carolina Hurricanes. They don't have Shea Weber and Carey Price at the beginning of the season, and they struggle out of the gate. They were one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference for the first 10 games of the season, and it finally came to a head the other day. First, Scott Mellenby resigned from his position with Montreal because it sounds like they weren't considering him for a higher role. Then they find out that Montreal is talking to the former New York Rangers general manager, Jeff Gorton, about a possible position. And then we find out over the weekend that uh, Mark Berger and the GM is gone. So some massive changes in Montreal to try and fix something that I don't know if you can fix. Well, you know what? I think had Montreal not gotten as far as they went last year in the playoffs, I think they would have done this last year. I, I thought that Mark Bergevin, who I like a lot, and we've known him since he was here in St. Louis, I think he was on thin ice then because I think the expectations were much higher than what they got as far as results were concerned. Um, yeah, losing Weber and Price was was catastrophic. But they had some other guys who they were counting on to step up, and they didn't. And that's been a big challenge. Um, you know, this is an organization that, you know, they got a little bit of a taste of it last year. But, you know, traditionally they hadn't won it since the mid-90s. Right. And that's a long time. And I think you and I discussed this last year. You know, my, that Montreal team that won in the mid-90s was the last team that had an all-North American roster. Wow. Every player was North American. But going back to the Bergman situation, there were some things that maybe they should have done differently. But I really felt like this was brewing last year. Um, because of the talent pool that they had assembled, they felt like they were ready to make a run. I don't know if Je know if Jeff Gordon is the answer. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know if I'd say the Rangers were left in good shape. Now, granted, he was working for a bad owner uh, mm -hmm. and, and some other things that were taking place. But you know, I'm not sure if he's the guy either. But we'll I guess we'll find out. And I don't know how long term this is. Uh, you know, maybe this is temporary, but the Canadians are almost in a desperate position because you're seeing other Canadian teams starting to try and make a run at, at being Canada's top team. Toronto's in a similar situation. They're going to have to make some decisions here soon. We, Vancouver, that's a mess right now. Edmonton has it, yeah. what it looks like a pretty good hockey club. We already know that, you know, Ottawa and Calgary are probably a notch or two below. But right now, there needs to be a Canadian team that's ready to break through and say, we're going to play well into the summer. Yeah, well, and I want to get to Vancouver in a minute, but one more on Klaibs here. Some of this comes down to roster decisions. I mean, yeah. this is yeah. why you're moving on from Mark Bergevin. You know, you you give you, you don't give the money to that Jess, Jess Berry cut Kiemi, who was given the offer. you said that. Yeah, well, there was a really – Gutsy move on my part, Clavis, because I could have butchered <laughs> well, that. I don't, know if his, I don't know if his parents are listening, but I, I think they would agree that you got it right. Probably. But, I mean, he doesn't get an offer sheet, and he was the guy that they were hoping was going to turn into one of their top centermen. Mm -hmm. You know, they have Max Domi, who was a good player for him, and then they decided to trade him away because he wasn't matching the style that Montreal wanted to play. You know, they had a couple – Alex Galchenyuk they drafted and wanted to turn him into something – they trade for Joel Edmondson. They don't make moves. They trade away Mikhail Sergachev. There's just so many roster decisions that it, it gives you a fine appreciation for what Doug Armstrong has done here in St. Louis because it shows you how difficult it is when you're a GM of a hockey team or a GM of any professional sports team 
to not make mistakes when you make roster decisions. To sit here and say, I don't think this guy's going to be a part of our future and make the wrong decision of trading him away. Doug Armstrong looks at Zach Sanford and says, I just don't know if he's going to be the option for us moving forward. Gives him a different opportunity with Ottawa. Ottawa trades Logan Brown to the Blues to see if he can start up. It, Mark Bergevin just ran into a situation where he just made the wrong roster decision. Yeah, and, and you know, I think it had a lot to do with the roster decision, uh, with the exception of Domi, who I think is kind of already an enigma. You know, yeah. was he on his third team now? Yeah, I think uh, so. And so I, I think that that's a guy that can get you fired. But I think with the European, especially the Russian players, that, that Bergevin had really kind of put all his chips into that basket – I always and I still think those are always risky moves because I think when you look at what what those players can bring to you, they're all skilled. I don't think there's any doubt about it, but I think we have to take into account how skilled are they. They're not. We don't have Sergei Fedorov. We don't have a Pavel Pavel Bure. You know, these guys are coming over and they're good players. But I also think that sometimes they have some cultural challenges, some other things that they have to get acclimated to and understand what a what it takes to be in the National Hockey League. Some guys work harder. Some guys check out. But when you put your eggs in that basket, man, you got to be careful because he can come back to bite you. And I think that's what one of the reasons why Bart Bergman is out of work today. Well, and you might be seeing a couple of other guys on the Canadian side out of work sooner or later, and that's what the Vancouver Canucks claims. Uh, this is an interesting team because, you know, they go out, they trade with Arizona to get Connor Garland. They trade with Arizona to get Oliver ekman Larson. They have the pieces in place. Blues fans would remember back in the bubble play when Vancouver upset them. But again, you come to another strange roster decision to not bring back Jacob Markstrom, who played really well for Vancouver, and he's tearing it up with Calgary right now. But it goes to what you just said about the Montreal Canadiens. Vancouver's in a position right now where the players don't seem to be buying into what Travis Green is trying to instill into their game plan. But on the flip side of that, it seems like there's some miscommunication from the front office in Travis Green. Now, you're right. And, and I think when players see the disconnect between Jim Benning and, and the head coach Green, I, I think that creates a bigger distraction than maybe some people are willing to admit uh, when they see that those guys aren't unified. And I think that's one of the things that has made the Blues uh, a pretty solid organization where Doug Armstrong whether it's Ken Hitchcock or Craig Berube, they've been on the same page and they have a unified voice. Now they can disagree internally, but I think when you see it spill over where there are roster moves involved, where teams are wondering or looking at each other in the dressing rooms saying, who thought that was a good idea? Hmm. That's when it starts to spiral out of control. And I think that's what you have in Vancouver. And that might be an overall house cleaning, starting with Jim Benning and then probably trickling down to Travis Green because anybody who's going to take over that organization, and we're talking about organization, uh, they're going to want their people in there. And it's not mm -hmm. to say that Travis Green isn't a good coach. It's not to say Jim Benning isn't a good general manager. But I think when you have this situation where it no longer works, you might as well blow it up and start over again because you've got enough good pieces talent-wise to make this a very, a very competitive hockey club. This is the part that I don't understand, Klebs, and maybe you have a better idea about this because you've been watching hockey a lot longer than me, but the, 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 the turnover on the coaching side of things, you know, when you fire a head coach, 
it, it always seems like the same guys are brought back up. Like when Vancouver's situation, they're talking about moving on from Travis Green and Claude Julian's name has been brought up. And Julian has gone from the Montreal Canadiens, from the Boston Bruins. You know, Bruce Boudreaux's name has been brought up. John Tortorella's name has been brought up. Why do you feel And you like know what? If Peter Laviolette was, wasn't working right now, his name would be brought up. I guarantee it would. Heck, if Ken Hitchcock wanted to get back it's, into the game, his name would probably be brought right. up. But it's always the same five or six guys, Klaibs, where you, you don't see like in baseball where they move on from a manager and they say, you know what, let's give this guy a shot because he was such a good player and he would he would know how to manage the game. Is it just a difference in coaching styles? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think there's a comfort level that's in play here. Uh, because if you you just mention a bunch of guys whose names always come up and none of them play, right? Uh, and, and I think that. It, but the other challenge that you have now is the analytics have had a significant impact in the game of hockey, and you have to make sure you have guys who a understand how to coach analytics along with coaching players up. I always felt that was Davis Payne's shortcoming where he was kind of on the entry level of the analytics and, and more diagrams and actual instinctual play. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have guys who come in and they want to reinvent the wheel, you're going to have guys that are going to push back. They want to play. They want to keep it simple. I mean, you know, you may have a half a dozen plays that you like to do. Maybe you have a cycle you want to have. Maybe you want to have a couple of looks on your power play. This is how you kill penalties. But at the end of the day, it's still about the same same things that make you a good hockey club. The difference is you have numbers to support. Are you doing it the right way? Yeah. And some guys can buy into it. Some guys won't, but the coaches today, I I think this is a player's league. And I think the more guys you can have that have some, some coaching experience, but also some playing experience uh, that, that takes you a little further. And and I think when you look at the blues coaching staff, all guys that play, Jim Montgomery's been a coach before, been a head coach, and he was a good one. Uh, Steve Ott, this is his first job as a coach, and he's doing a very good job, I, I, you know, because he still has that edge as a player that he can now coach into players himself. And, and Mike Van Ryan's going to be a head coach before anybody knows it because right. he's seen it from a number of different angles. I can't say that about some of these other guys that we just mentioned because they seem to be able to get so far and then all of a sudden becomes, in Tortorella's case, it's a tough guy contest. You know, he wants yeah. to call guys out. And you know what? Players, they know how to get you fired now. They know they know how not to deal with people like that. And I really think that at this point, Vancouver and probably Montreal, they're going to have to start looking around at guys who have a little bit more of an understanding of what it takes to coach up the best players on the team. You don't have to coach them all. That was one of the great things about Ken Hitchcock. Hitch was a guy who found three, four good players, the best players on the team, and maybe the leaders, coached them up, and everybody normally follows. And we see that also with Craig Berube. I'm trying to think of a, a guy who in Vancouver's system could step into that role. And, you know, a guy who's been an assistant coach for them, who I wouldn't be surprised if he's a head coach at some point, is Manny Malholtra. I don't remember if you yeah. remember this guy. Yeah, I remember he broke he's in with Dallas. Coach. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, Manny Malhotra was part of the – I want to say he was part of the uh, Jerome McGinley deal, but he was a good player, good two-way yeah. player. I'll tell you another guy that's out there, um, the guy who was a good penalty killer for the Blues for a while, Ryan uh, 
Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson's out there. At least yeah. he was. He's their uh, GM for their minor league team. Yeah. So, you know, maybe there's enough uh, enough guys that are in that hunt. You know, the Malhotra thing would be interesting because if they elect to make him head coach, he'd be the first uh, coach of color in the National Hockey League. Wow. So that'll be an interesting scenario to look at. Speaking of interesting scenarios, why don't we take a quick one? We'll come back. We've got more. This is a Ferrario face-off. Every day, Amron, Illinois works to deliver. The 2021 Acura TLX is the top-selling luxury sedan in St. Louis, and St. Louis Acura has an unbeatable selection. The TLX has the highest safety rating, and right now you can get $2,500 in loyalty conquest offers with 0% financing for up to 36 months. We offer free pickup and delivery, and we'll also buy your used vehicle, even if you don't buy from us. St. Louis Acura, committed to becoming better than ever for you. All right, Clibs, the final one I want to get to with you in terms of NHL storylines here on the Ferrario face-off. Let me ask you this, Clibs. Have you ever bitten somebody before in the middle of a fight? Not to my recollection. Man, your pause made me really excited. I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a great story. No, I'm just trying to think, you know, maybe in grade school. I don't know. But it's let's put it this way. It's not something I do with any regularity. Well, and it's something that I don't think in the game of hockey is uh, respected very much. Yeah, any sport. Well, Well, you know, here's the thing. And with with Brendan Lemieux, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because Claude Lemieux played on the edge too. His Mm -hmm. dad played on the edge in the National Hockey League. And I know everybody remembers what he did to Chris uh, Chris Draper. Yeah. uh, You know, which was an unfortunate situation. But he was a guy who played on the edge. But it's my understanding when he was in New York, there were guys who were concerned about his play because, let's face it, he may cheap shot you, and guess what? He may cheap shot you, and you go back to the bench, and now you're saying, I may not get Lemieux, but I'm going to get somebody else. Yeah. Or or maybe your enforcer decides, I'm going to make somebody else pay who maybe isn't a fighter. I mean, he's a dangerous player, and, and there's no room for that in the National Hockey This This game is already hard enough to play. Now, you know, Brady Kachuk is a guy that can get under your skin also. Let's not make him sound like a Lady Bing ch- uh, trophy winner either. But in this situation, there's no excuse for a player biting another player. And, and I hope they throw the book at him. I do, too. And they, they've talked about the NHL players' uh, safety side said that it's an in-person hearing, which starts with a five-game suspension. But, you know, what really got me was Brady Kachuk going off to the media afterwards, Claves, And I'm sure you saw the video or yeah. saw the comments. But he just went on and on about how dangerous of a player he is, how he shouldn't be in the league, how the other teams that have had him didn't even want him in the league. Exactly. And some, no, of, right. that, some of that is Brady Kachuk just getting the emotions out because he's frustrated. But look, this is a guy who was brought up by one of the more respected players in the game in Keith Kachuk. And when Brady Kachuk, who plays the game the right way, even if he does get underneath people's skin – when he's saying that the Winnipeg Jets and the New York Rangers both had Brennan Lemieux and they didn't want him on the team, and he's out here biting people, I don't know how a player like that can stay in the game. Alex, you make a good point. Uh, th- this will be a very interesting scenario. And I'll tell you, two guys who I think are at crossroads in their careers, when you think about this guy and Brendan Lemieux, and what about Evander Kane? Yeah, I mean, they're going to wave him, and he's going to go to the minors, <clears throat> and they're hopefully trying to find a deal for him. All right, this guy's got talent, but he's made a lot of mistakes along the way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you look at him and you look at Lemieux, now, now obviously two different scenarios, 
But when you're at the crossroads of your career and you're not 30 years old, uh, it says a lot. So I'll be interested to see how both of these situations turn out. But as far as Lemieux is concerned, he's not as skilled as Kane. And I, I think he's on his last leg. And that's unfortunate for a guy his age. Yeah, especially because he was a, a second round draft pick. So obviously he had talent when he was drafted and it just yeah. seems to uh, have gotten away. You know, by the way, Claves, the best part of that whole scenario was Brady Kachuk's post game, and he called uh, Lemieux a brickhead. I've never heard yeah. someone use the term brickhead. I haven't either. Like but a big it, Walt. It's now going to be in my vocabulary. Yes. Yeah, doesn't know. that seem like a big Walt thing, though? Yeah, that's true. You know, I remember Holly calling somebody a crash test dummy one time, and that, <laughs> that kind of spread like wildfire as well. So brickhead is something, you know, it, it, it just graduated from being a cement head. That's what yes. they used to call guys. So, so he just formed the brick. He this they poured the cement and it just used to be hard cement. Now he's got a he's got a, a rectangle as a brick. So yeah, I there was it. no science that went into to let None me cement head. It was just strict brick head. Yeah, he, a refined piece of cement is what he is. <laughs> oh well, Claves, this has been fun, man. Getting a touch on all of this stuff. I know the Blues. Uh, they don't have as busy of a schedule over these next couple of weeks, but they do have some intense games playing the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Florida Panthers. I think they play six straight against the Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference, you're right. So, and it's and on be top of it, they're going to be without David Perron, at least for now. It seems like he's day-to-day. -day. And Clem Costin and James Neal are going to be both on the LTIR, which means they have to miss either 10 games or 24 days. So the Blues are going to have to uh, be sitting with what they have right now in terms of forwards and see what they can do. Yeah, maybe they have to look outside the organization as well. We'll see how that unfolds. But I don't see either one of those guys back before January. So let's just keep our fingers crossed. Hey, we got to get out of here. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Mike Claiborne. This has been the Ferrario Faceoff. We invite everybody to check us out. We'll be coming back at you later this week and uh, have some more good hockey talk. But before we go. You know, the only thing faster than this supersonic golf cart are the closing times at thehomeloanexpert.com. Mortgage rates on the twos, and we have a 21-day closing guarantee. Apply online today at thehomeloanexpert.com.